Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Policy Matters Podcast, the PRO Act. What is it? What's in it? And will it pass? So throughout this podcast series, we've mentioned in passing the various components of the so-called PRO Act or the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, such as, uh, you know, an independent contractor sort of ABC test that came out of California that's implanted in the PRO Act, as well as some joint employer issues, um, as well as, as we will discuss today, a number of of labor provisions. Now, since the PRO Act has been reintroduced, we've been fielding more and more questions about both the substantive components and the potential procedural processes for passage. So, since there seems to be uh, such great interest uh, in the business community on the PRO Act, we figured that this would be a perfect time for the discussion of the same. Uh, however, since we have already discussed some of the under-the-radar employment provisions of the Act, this podcast will focus more on the sort of labor wishless aspect, I guess you could call it, uh, of this Act. So to that end, this week we have a very special guest. Uh, we have our very wonderful colleague out of Atlanta, which I still have never been to, and hopefully this pandemic will subside soon enough that I can get out there. Kylan Kershaw, who is our National Vice Chair of our Labor Management Relations and Practice Group. Welcome, Kylan. If you want to just give a brief introduction, that would be fantastic. Great. Thanks, Scott. So, as Scott mentioned, I'm Kylan Kershaw. I am a partner in our Atlanta office. I do pretty much 100% traditional labor, dealing with labor unions, all aspects of that from collective bargaining to union avoidance, uh, pretty much runs the gamut. So happy to discuss this. We've been getting a lot of questions about it. Fantastic. Thank you, Kylan. So the PRO Act, or as I mentioned, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, was actually first introduced in February 2020, almost exactly a year ago, right before the pandemic hit. Once the World Health Organization announced a worldwide pandemic, the process of getting any kind of other legislation through the Senate and ultimately signed by the President was incredibly difficult given the other issues that the Senate was dealing with. And also during 2020, there isn't a lot of legislation that was getting passed, especially legislation that is as uh, controversial as this. So this year, uh, on February 4th, the House Democrats out of the Education and Labor Committee reintroduced the PRO Act in essentially the same form. This time, however, the Senate also introduced a bill uh, in the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee by Chair Patty Murray and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Now, this time around, as everyone knows, the composition of the government is much different. Now, we have a trifecta of Democratic majorities in the House and Senate, even though those margins are razor thin, not only in the Senate, but also in the House, which sometimes people forget about it. And I just would briefly note that we have seen how such a razor thin margin could actually affect the ability to pass agenda with the near attendance situation that's happening right now. And those nominations only require a majority vote, whereas something like the PRO Act would require 60. So. If we have the trifecta House Senate, and we also have a Democratic president and vice president in Kamala Harris, which this time around appears to be much more than just a ceremonial position, as she's already had a number of votes, which we're going to discuss in an upcoming podcast. So my apologies <laughs> for the shameless plug there. So given, you know, that this has been introduced, there's reintroduced, and that, you know, there's less sort of tertiary kind of 
pandemic legislation they must address, uh, employers are tuned in and they're appropriately concerned. So with that less than brief intro out of the way, let's get to the meat. So I know that the act would sort of codify a number of the labor initiatives from the Biden, or, or, sorry, from the Obama era, Biden when he was vice president. So Kylan, which of those do you think should be most on the minds of employers that would be codified? So, I mean, I think a couple ones, obviously Browning Paris, I think everyone is, you know, more than aware of that. Um, I think that's one they're trying to push through via legislation because otherwise they're going to have to do it through rulemaking, given what the Trump board did with joint employer status um, during that term. So as we've seen, I mean, joint employer has a, I, I know there's probably already been five podcasts on the potential impact of joint employment and it, it has an equally dramatic effect on organized labor, um, it, especially for employers that have sister companies or anything along those lines where it's likely to be a concern. Uh, so that's a big one, obviously, specialty healthcare. So um, one of the things in the PRO Act is the return to the so-called micro units where unions are allowed to cherry pick. And so essentially target, you know, the most famous case or, or one of them from the Obama board, you know, involved cosmetic store employees and, or, you know, one where they, they targeted just, uh, I can't remember if it was the men or the women, but a portion of a shoe department as a bargaining yeah. unit. And, and so, you know, that certainly got employers attention and, you know, the anecdotally and statistically, usually the smaller, the unit, the height. So that is, that is yeah. something that I think, um, should, people should be concerned about and because, you know, it's going to get changed 1 way or the other, whether it gets yeah. through it via pro act or through via case law, that's coming back. I think everyone should just be prepared for that. Um, purple communications, I would say the same thing. Uh, you know, the employer employees right to use email for section seven purposes. Um, you know, obviously the Trump board pulled that back. Um, I think we will see that come back again, I, you know, honestly, more likely through case law, I think than legislation, but again, I think it, it's going to come back and that's just something that at least in my experience, no employer wants to deal with. Um, you know, it, it's hard enough to monitor conduct and everything else without, uh, that entering the picture and then, Indeed. you know, <laughs> yes. Right. And then I think, you know, another one that isn't, um, an Obama era decision per se, but is a big decision, you know, Epic systems where the Supreme court basically yeah. overruled the board and DR Horton and basically, you know, said that class action waivers and mandatory arbitration agreements are enforceable. That is one that is more interesting to me because essentially that has to get passed via legislation uh, because of the Supreme Court decision. I'm not going to say this board won't try, but they, you know, in theory, they shouldn't be able to change that via case law. Um, and, and so that's one I think that's more likely to get, they're going to try and push that through legislatively. Um, and then, I mean, I, I'm, the whole law is bad. Like, but, uh, you know, I'll yeah. just be honest. I mean, there's nothing in there that I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, as, it, like as I, I believe that you you previously coined it, and I previously coined it because of you. It's basically a, just a labor wish list. Is, is essentially what the piece of legislation is. It's just bullet points of labor wish list. Absolutely, and I think the things I just discussed are probably the most likely. There are some very frightening provisions in there as well. You know, permitting secondary boycotts, prohibiting the permanent re replacement of strikers, um, allowing employees to bring civil actions. The yeah. Civil penalties against employers who commit ULPs. I mean, those are all big ticket items that I would say go far beyond whatever even the Obama administration tried to do. And so 
I think some of the, you know, to the extent I can give anyone comfort, I think some of the provisions that are the most alarming are also the ones that are least likely to come back. I think as a general rule, we'll see, we'll definitely see at least a return to the Obama era decisions. I think it'll just yeah. be a question of whether they can swing, swing the pendulum farther than that. So, and, and obviously, like, you know, the, the labor provisions are not necessarily, you know, what my expertise is even close, but sort of the mechanisms for how this kind of legislation gets passed is, is something I do have a, a decent amount of knowledge on. And one thing is that you mentioned was Epic Systems, which I think a ton of the audience here is very, very interested in. I just don't see any realistic legislative path to overturning a Supreme Court decision given the razor-thin margins in the Senate. Kylan? Yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And I think, um, you know, one of the things about the PRO Act, and I know you and I have talked about this offline before, you know, unless the Democrats are willing to get rid of the filibuster, I, I think the majority of the items in here are not going to get through the Senate. Uh, that said, you know, Biden's already shown a lot of aggressiveness with the firing of Rob and, and some of yeah. the, the actions with the NLRB. And so I, I do think employers should be prepared for them to get as much of this through administratively as possible. Now, things like the persuader rule, again, I think we'll have the same opportunities that we had back in, you know, 2015, 2016 to get those kinds of laws enjoined, um, you know, because that precedent is still there. But but I do think it, it's uh, for for what they are going to try and do and try and get through. Um, I, I would say, though, to anyone that's losing sleep over it, it's extremely ambitious and knock on wood. You know, I think the other than the, like I said, the Obama era stuff that's kind of already happened, I, I think the rest of it is pretty unlikely. Yeah, so, so I have one more question, Kylan. Uh, you know, we were talking, I, I have a bit of a, a pet theory in, in that I've seen the PRO Act language, and J Joe Manchin, who is a Democrat, is not going to vote for the PRO Act, even if they got rid of the filibuster. So I, I guess my theory has been that Joe Biden's sort of ultra-aggressive stance toward the NLRB at the very outset of his administration is it's sort of indicative of the fact that the PRO Act is a political document, really, that they're saying, hey, here's the PRO Act. This is what our legislative priorities are. Biden went through all that stuff, the NLRB, to get the right factual predicate cases in front of it. I think so that he maybe gets some of that through the NLRB case deciding process. What do you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, so I think, you know, that this is sort of a cynical opinion, so forgive me, but but I think part of the reason that the aggressiveness that we've seen up front at the agency is that, you know, Biden and, you know, Vice President Harris campaigned on an extremely pro-labor agenda. You know, there's videos talking of where Biden talks about putting people who lead anti-union campaigns in jail. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, they, they campaign very heavily on that. I think that organized labor expects a lot from them. And so I think and that was a powerful a, lobby. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. so I think it was an early shot across the bow to say, hey, we're listening to you. We're here for you. And cynically, in my view, part of it is that they're only going to go. So they're only going to spend so much political capital trying to get something like this to pass that has an unlikely shot of passing. Indeed. Oh, you know, Kylan, I just want to say thank you for, for joining me and, and making my management side attorney hat feel a little safer. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Stay tuned as we have lots more fun topics coming up, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much.
Thanks for joining us today on the Seifarth Policy Matters podcast. So you'll never miss an episode, be sure to visit Seifarth.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. While you're at it, we'd appreciate you sharing us with your colleagues on LinkedIn or your preferred social media.